0: Welcome to the world of MW Lewis. It is the twenty. Second episode of the year. It's a pretty good clip for me this year. I've, I've had a very busy year, as everyone knows. Lots of changes. Uh, it's kind of ironic. Is it ironic or is it coincidental? Irony is used an overused phrase. A little understood. People think they understand irony, but they don't. Uh, classic example is the song "Isn't It Ironic," when almost the entire song, none of it actually is ironic. But anyway, I, I digress as I um, want, as is my want. So this year, as everyone knows, my I became childless. My eighteen-year-old Josh Morris, the jazz reverb, went off to college, and I have an older one too. And he's he's great, by the way. He does photography, and he works. He's into data science and all. He's a great kid. I, I don't talk about him as much because Josh was actually living with me and actually can provide me content for my podcast. That's why I talk about him and not really the other. I'm sure the other really prefers not to be uh, brought into the podcast, anyway. But uh, again, I was child. I'm now childless, but there is a person in my AD&D game, and he's been playing. Uh, you know, he started playing the game way back in the '80s, like I did, and he he now has a new child. So I congratulate him if he's listening to the podcast his uh wife was in my Monday night adD game I sp- I've spoken about them a million times Wendy and Sean so I congratulate her also and um, now that the the little the little critter is out of her womb and, and alive and well and we're all excited and I saw a picture super cute baby uh, maybe. Over the coming months, uh, maybe oh, we get the old gang back together on Monday Night AD&D. I know, I know, playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons could be challenging when you're you're pregnant. Well, honestly, I don't really know that, but I can only imagine having, uh, you know, been married to a person who had two of my children. I know how hard it is. So the point is, maybe in the future, maybe in the future, the whole gang will be back together on Monday Night AD&D. But all that being said, it's it's kind of funny coincidental. I I have my final one goes off into the world, and Sean brings one into the world. So good for him. Good for him. Maybe I ought to have another one. Who knows? Who knows? May I roll? Let's see. I got the angry monk die die here. Should should Mw have another child? Yes, but yes, yes, but uh, he doesn't want to raise it. That's the that's the but. So, in this episode, in episode 22 of the year, the episode that I am birthing into the world today, I interview Sonny, the Knight of the Winds, and it's a good episode where we're exploring this concept of player agency versus the railroad, and it came up on grog talk you'll hear more about it i'm not going to say much more this is the intro let's get right into the episode i hope you enjoy the interview i am here with sunny Knight of the winds sunny is a grog empire luminary and he's been to the grog con in 2021 and 2022 He has been to the Virginia Uncon in 2022 and 2023. He actually was on my podcast, uh, episode 211, talking about his D&D gap, which I believe Sonny never actually had a real D&D gap. And he's also a contributor to Flipping and Turning magazine, which MW himself contributes to as well so i am really happy to have sunny night of the winds here oh these other things there's other things about sunny that are much less important like he's a father and uh, cooks and has friends and has a job but we don't care about any of that here no in that the matters. worlds of mw Lewis, None of that right? matters. so welcome to the show again sunny thank you good morning how are you i'm very good i'm very good thanks for asking um now we're here to talk about a really serious matter Um, I have been noticing on the Grog Talk How to Play uh, channel discussions about issue, a very important issue of Dungeons & Dragons, and I feel this is a modern issue of Dungeons & Dragons. It's a modern concern, um, probably something that's come up over the last 15, 20 years, was never discussed when I played back in the 80s, and that's this idea of player agency versus dungeon master railroading so before you and i talked uh we we saw there were some chats on uh the grog talk how to play uh, on this topic there were some comments made that really intrigued me and I want, I want to explore these comments more not by you by the way but by another person and i'm going to be interviewing that person so i won't say who it is but i also went online and kind of looked up railroading railroading this concept of railroading what is it and um i hear a lot, a lot about it and it, it, it troubles me because i feel i feel i am a railroading dm i do feel that i do it and um we're going to talk about your style because you're both a player of D and a, and a dungeon master mm-hmm. and i want to see where you fall on this spectrum between player agency and railroading so let me real quickly it's certainly you... a spectrum it's a spectrum it it is 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 a spe... is. we're all on it we're all on that spectrum and we should know that and be proud so what, of
1: it one cat one thing i just wanted to say uh uh based on something you said in your intro is that i okay. wouldn't say railroading is a new concept though okay uh, player Correct. agency
0: Correctly player agency. Player yeah. agency's new and is, is player agency uh an effect of 5e i wonder
1: well you know how i feel on that um uh,
0: no i don't is most it
1: most likely a... <laughs> although we'll go into
0: that but uh
1: but railroading uh, um that has definitely been discussed uh at oh. least going back to what would that be like the late 80s when dragon lance
0: ah the, the dragon lance i've heard that the first yeah sanctioned Railroad by by TSR. Yes.
1: And and sanctions a good way to say it because in all reality, any of the modules are
0: to some extent railroading
1: and modules existed long before
0: that. And that's but, an interesting point we're going to talk about because I do believe the game started as a railroad in and of itself, even if you didn't run the Dragonlance. But, the so we'll get to game. that. The published game. The publish games yeah so um just so you know sonny i did go on google i look up there's there's, there's tons of conversations about railroading For, this is from 2010 on a on a website called rpg stack exchange what is railroading and what are its pros and cons so you see 13 years ago this was being discussed and it was being discussed as it's not bad there are pros and there are cons to it right it's not no it's absolutely. not definitively yeah, a bad thing no. Reddit. Here's a Reddit from 2022. What exactly is railroading? And I have to admit, that's kind of where I was in 2020 when uh, somebody in my Monday night game said, "Oh, your style is a little bit railroady," and I was like, "I don't really know what you mean by that." And then when he told me, I was like, "Okay, yeah, that probably is my style." And see, uh, and,
1: and uh, that's kind and, of the key right there is that if a player. Did that player want that? Was he okay with that? Did they leave?
0: He stayed in my game for. Uh, he he left the game in 2022, so he stayed in yeah, the game for so he, over over two years. So you can do a yeah. full on railroad is, if
1: that's what everybody's on board with.
0: Well, uh, we're going to get to that. That's what I'm yeah. going to say. Yeah. So railroading might be just what your D and D campaign needs, and that's on the website. But why the why though dot net? That's from 2020. So I'm not going to continue. You can just type in Dungeons & Dragons Railroading listeners and you'll find tons of content on this. And it, it's been coming up in the podcasts recently. If you listen to the various podcasts about d d it's coming up all the time. Railroading versus player agency. So this, I don't know um, why. I don't get it. I don't hear a lot from my players about this. Besides that one guy making making an observation, by the way, Sonny, it wasn't a complaint. He just was observing. Yeah. This is your style. I asked my player I don't hear from my players about it but I did ask them in preparation to talk to you today what their thought is on the other aspect of this player agency. So I said to the players what do you guys can think about player agency? Well the one guy who's a real old school player he said player what? question mark <laughs> and the other people in my game tried to explain to him what I meant by the question. He replied back. He's like, I know you dumbasses. That's my answer. Player what? Like, in other words, he's like, what? that has nothing to do with the game, player agency. Yep. And then I just, I got a spectrum of replies from my players on what they felt about player agency. And it basically boiled down to, as long as the DM lets the player control their character's decisions... And those decisions have consequences. Uh, and the player has enough information to understand what the consequences might be. That's good enough. That's all the player agency you need. So, anyway, I talked to my players about it. They're all rather old. They're not young people. They felt they don't feel like it's that big a deal. So let's let's plunge in, Sonny. You have a lot of interesting things to say on this topic. I've talked long enough. Why don't you tell us? You talked to me before we started recording this idea of a spectrum between player agency all the way down to like an absolute railroading DM who controls every aspect of the game. Where are you on this spectrum, in your opinion? So my current DMing, I have, um,
1: I I feel like I've, I have found a middle ground. And uh, the way to do that, or or the key to that, first of all, is you have to know your players. Um, and and the and the situation as we hinted on is that you know we could just get this out of the way right now if you're in a tournament if you're playing a one shot you know uh there's an upcoming Grogcon um offering from james a, a halloween one shot like something like that a full-on railroad is is not only expected but that that's it's appropriate you you have a time slot you're trying to to do a certain things, maybe get through the entire module, whatever it is. So, so just get that out of the way that that's where there should be a railroad. Um, although there's still aspects of player agency that will address, I'm sure. But in a campaign, that is where you have to find what works best for what you and your players are looking for, for that campaign. So, uh, like the ultimate would be a West March style campaign. DM has a world. Maybe it's not even fleshed out. Some people do complete hex crawls, blank hexes. Let's roll as we go. Uh, that would be the ultimate chaos, so to speak. I feel as if I've I've found not perfect, but the best middle ground after a good. Uh, we're
0: up. We're up now about five years of solid campaigning. Without any major breaks, and um, and this is your game. How many players do you have in your game? You you talked about this a little bit back in episode, uh, back in May in my episode. But uh, me and everyone's going to remember you. You have a pretty good game going on, right?
1: I do. There are there's six of us. um, My brother, and then uh, four very good friends. Okay. And uh, long, long, I mean, going back to high school, guys from the army, very, very tight
0: group. Right. Please. So not to, to disrupt your point, you got a really good group. It's been together for about six years, you say. No, five five years. years, five years. So go ahead. What, what's the middle ground here? I played with all
1: these people in the past. It's just that as a group now, it's been about five years. So so what I found is is uh, so we were using Forgotten Realms for a while. Um, and well, you can't see the video Mw, can.
0: I have my Forgotten Realms map behind me. Yeah, very beautiful, very beautiful. Maybe (laughs) I'll take a screenshot of this and put it up. By the way, there. Uh Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, but at some point, about two, three years ago, I decided. Listen, I want to develop my own world, and the first campaign that we ran in Theerth, um, I gave them complete open world. I said, you know, here's the map. I have designed the map. I didn't do a a hex crawls type uh, thing, but I said here you are and where do you go next and and some fun came out of that with without a doubt we developed lore that would not have existed um an example I always use is I rolled I randomly rolled a uh, a green dragon when they were only at first level I said oh green dragons definitely gonna kill them uh you know so there's no sense in even rolling for reaction it would just end the campaign so I said what can I do with this and it turned into a whole thing with uh, stolen eggs and and she couldn't get and she couldn't fit into the cave where the eggs were. And so she used it. So point being, uh, open world with the right players is great. And I do have the right players, but we're all adults. We're all on a little bit of a time crunch. Um, we we do sit down regularly. Thank Thankfully, we don't have the issue uh, that many people will say, oh, we can never play. It always gets canceled. We rarely cancel. But still, it's uh, three hours that we're taking away from our, our family, our kids, blah, blah, blah. And so we want to accomplish something is what about a, We played the open world for about a year and I started getting these again, not complaints, but feedback of, yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit of railroading is a good thing. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe one day a player would say, well, I know you mentioned the cave over there. So we're going to go there. And now, I know that next, I can plan now for a week, next session. So now people will say, some people might say, well, that's not really railroading exactly. That's what I'm getting at is that there's a spectrum where a DM can plan, still use random roles, right? Whenever they're traveling, I still have my random tables I use and all of that. But at the same time, there is a little bit of guidance. And um, I'll use NPCs, of course, to direct that. Um, I'll use occurrences in the world or even those random roles. I'll make them into something, you know, uh, this has come up on the grog talk discord a few times where like, so I rolled 30 orcs on the road. Well, 30 orcs don't just come out of nowhere. They, they, they existed for some reason. And now you as the DM can use that, that role to create a reason um and then it the players still have their agency which i guess we can zero in on that next to decide whether are they going to pursue that reason did they just fight the 30 orcs and continue on to whatever it was we had said we were going to do or do they say well they came from the the west side of the road something must be in that direction is there a camp there is there and they could pursue that
0: but they could pursue that but you're not because it was a random roll by you you'd be perfectly fine if they just either uh evaded the orcs or fought the orcs but continued on to the actual railroad which is the mission you sent them upon correct. which they agreed to take on in the first place
1: correct right. and agree is is another key there because where the real where the true railroad comes in is something like you the party marches into town the dm's a little annoyed that they decided to go to that town for whatever reason so what does he do the town guard is arrayed out in front of the gate when you get there. Uh I know how much money how much gold you're carrying, right? As the DM, I have a rough idea. So now that town is demanding that much gold in uh in tribute or or something, some some scenario where the DM is clearly forcing the issue. Um now, oddly enough, again, the flip side is one time, uh, this is a while ago, and we were still running Forgotten Realms. Um one of our players was my friend's son. He got in trouble big time at school, and he and so he was punished. He had to miss a session, and so I did a complete railroad where uh, there was a um, the two thieves guilds fighting, and my players got my PCs got wrapped up in it, and they were captured. That's the classic example. You're captured, but in that case, like again, we we um, it was it goes back to what I said before. It's sort of a one shot even though it's fit into the campaign, it's sort of a one shot. So when the DM is forcing it, you you were arrested, you were captured, uh, uh, oh, you just woke up and sorry, your camp was raided and and uh, hill giants have you now. That's a true railroad. The spectrum again is, hey, uh, while you're drinking at the tavern, you hear rumors of this, I don't know, let's just, again, we'll use the, or camp setting up 30 miles outside of town. Because I, as a DM, am hoping that they will address that. Once they choose to, that's not truly a railroad because you gave them that agency to choose whether they were going to go there or not.
0: So if they had said no... You weren't gonna pull. Somebody just put up a podcast. Jason uh, Connerly from Nerds RPG Variety Cast just put up a link to a different podcast, not his own, about the uh, Quantum Ogre concept. Oh uh, yes. So I had to look this up. I'm so stupid. I don't know what that is. Uh, and I looked it up. You weren't gonna take that camp of Orcs and put it. No matter what they ended up doing, you weren't gonna have them. You actually gave them a real choice to go to the camp of works or not. And if they said no, the camp of works is now out of the story.
1: Uh, Not necessarily though. Oh, because okay. I still, I like to uh, at least pretend that I run in a living world. So it, it's a, a subtle difference, of course, Uh, but that camp of works exists. Now, if my players leave the town, so say, say I had already decided that they're headed to this town. Um, my PCs decide. Well, we're going to leave that town, so we're going to ignore the orcs and we're going to leave this town.
0: And well, and they-, they go out a direction in the opposite. So so in other words, when you said there's a camp of orcs, did you in your mind say, well, they're north of the town or south yeah, of the? Yeah, right. Like, for right. example, so the party not knowing, maybe or maybe the party knows. Maybe the town guard said the camp is north of the town. Your party says we're going out the south gate, and we, we, want, don't nothing let <laughs> we
1: want nothing to
0: do with this. We want nothing to do it, and you're going to be like. You're not going to quantum work it and and suddenly move them or have a second camp. You're going to be like, that, I gave them the choice, and now they're leaving.
1: Correct. That's okay. the difference with right. the quantum. The quantum ogre is like you You come to a fork in the dungeon, left or right. DM knows he wants this ogre confrontation, no matter what. Left no matter right. what, you're going to face the ogre. You, it's a, it's exactly. a
0: false choice, basically. Left, exactly. right, backward, forward. Doesn't matter. Yeah. We're gonna fight the. He might have well, wanted, might as well have just said, "There's an ogre in front of you."
1: Yeah, it's in front of you, and that's it. Just like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but then again, the 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 subtlety would be though that that ogre does exist. We'll say to the left passage on the left, you know, down the left passage. Well, he still exists, so maybe something that the uh, the PCs do when they do turn right might attract that ogre. And that, I want to talk a little not. bit
0: about the quantum ogre in a little bit once you're done because okay. I have a thought I have a few thoughts on it why sure. sometimes I think it's actually part of the game actually to have a quantum monster and why other times it's it would just be kind of railroady to make them fight it no matter what so anyway mm. yeah good I so just when, want to explore that idea you put the camp out there and if the, you are you're the kind of DM you're giving your players actual choices that have correct. consequences
1: yes. But where I say that I've, uh, I've sort of hit a middle ground nowadays is that I will throw out uh, I will throw out hooks. I mean everybody everybody knows this um
0: look I think you have you, to throw out the you hooks have to throw we'll talk hooks. about this later. We're gonna talk That's about this way before we end. Because if you yeah. don't have hooks, anyway, go ahead. You're throwing yeah. out hooks.
1: A true, a true just hex, you have to have the really the right players who are okay with sessions where maybe nothing significant happens if you want to run that true hex uh crawler like a true sandbox Western marches, yes yeah
0: scroll. like i'm gonna throw sandbox. you in my sandbox and whatever i have you nothing to do will dictate what happens
1: exactly so right. i've moved away from that is is basically what i'm getting at yes um, yes. and the hooks hooks are really the keys that you can still offer that player agency and and uh one key point i want to make about Player agency, which we had just touched on a little bit uh before, is that player agency really it's it we're talking about actions. The 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 actions that the players take and and the DM not forcing it. We are not talking about rules. And oftentimes, you hinted at the 5e thing before, when a player is is screaming about player agency what they are talking about is rules that rule of cool thing and i absolutely do not ascribe to that where uh you know my my pc would do this well we we are playing a game here and i am using a set of rules with me it's either one e so that's the guy who's
0: all the way at this side of my little spectrum for you he's the the one who's like you shouldn't shackle me in any way in
1: any way if, if I, I want to hard...
0: jump down a cliff 100 feet and drop kick someone at the bottom and take no damage because I'm awesome you should not stop me from doing that I can that. do that
1: yes like yeah. like um i'll I'll give you a great example again um nothing against my players but of course you know humans are humans they do it too. They want to build a raft one day. And uh, we were playing second edition with this group and second edition uses proficiencies. And they had insisted on using the proficiencies. Cause when, when players see those lists, they say, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this. And I tried to explain to them, you're taking away player agency yes. by using these strict rules. And if you want to use them, I will use them, but I'm telling you, it's going to come back to bite you at some point. And the example I always use is everybody can start a fire now only people with the proficiency can start a fire. Well, none of them had a proficiency that was relevant to building a raft. So they said, well, we could still do it. After a discussion, I said, that's true. You could still do it. But n- now your odds of success are so low that everybody's going to be standing at the, uh, you know, the PCs in their world, right? Put in the PC's perspective. Are going to be standing there after building this raft and they're probably going to be thinking we shouldn't get on this thing. So, uh You know, that that is where to take it back to what I was saying about um, that's where when a player is talking about player agency, sometimes I don't know that they realize exactly uh, if they realize that it can go both ways.
0: That's right. I think Um, you're right. Yeah.
1: A a very blatant example would always be uh, the rumor of the Red Dragon up on the hill. Well, listen, full player agency, you're your first level. Go for it really go for it but is that going to work out for you probably not right so to some extent uh maybe the dm needs needs to sometimes corral and mold the players to ensure that they don't uh they don't go too far with their player agency
0: well the problem is i do feel like not only do you have the players who want to be able to do whatever they've imagined their character should be able to do regardless of rules whether it's 5e or 1e or are somewhere in the middle, or basic. They just want... They're sick of playing regular D&D, and they just want to modify their characters to be something different. And That's... and then there's this idea... I do believe there's some players... Um, hold on, I'm getting a notice that we're running out of time. Ooh. Um, we might have to stop and start again, Sonny. I'll let you know if that happens. Uh, maybe, I guess I don't pay for Zoom. Uh, it's telling me 10 minutes yeah i think we got 10 minutes so i think there's a group of players out there who even want to dictate the adventures they go on like they almost want to make up the adventures between the players and basically make the dm run the adventures they want to actually go on what do you think about that do you think that's happening out there in the world
1: um well certainly uh, like if you look at at 5e it's at each Release is sort of an entire campaign right so i could definitely see that happening there i don't bump up against it much anymore i did in the past but um we don't play with those people anymore (laughs) um but again that's always really existed to an extent like i don't recall this i was always the dm going back to nine years old i'm the forever dm but i've heard stories and and i'm sure it's easy to just assume that at some point there must have been players 1983 i picked up i don't know ghost tower of inverness can we run this you know so to some extent that's probably always existed um i i but i don't i don't really encounter that
0: okay i don't encounter it actually what i encounter is especially uh, even when i was a kid but especially as an adult i encounter five guys who want to play and meet on monday nights and they're busy they're pretty busy they barely have time to put any time into their characters and they're more than happy to run whatever I present to them. Yep. And I don't ever hear... Like I got the one observation from that guy Lawrence, and he loved playing in my game for over almost three full years. It was about two years and eight months before he had to drop out for other reasons. Um, I find guys, if I give them time to just kind of sandbox inside of a town, I find they don't really do anything. I find mean, they're just kind of like well, is there a provisionary? Is there a, a blacksmith? I'll buy this. It's all very basic D&D stuff. I'll go get what I need. Then we'll go to the bar. And then they go to the bar, and then they all get quiet. They all just sit there. And finally, after a couple minutes, I then start the hooks. I start hooking them. Yes. Because otherwise, like I am a firm believer, and this is another debatable topic, especially with 5e. I'm a firm believer that the Dungeon Master is playing the game, too. We're Absolutely. all playing the game. Absolutely. Like Spicoli, if you're here and I'm here, doesn't that make it our time? Well, if you're playing and I'm playing, aren't we all playing? We're all playing. And the last thing I want to do yes, on a that's Monday a, a night. Whole,
1: a whole nother subject for another whole subject Because a lot podcast. of
0: players, especially five, they don't believe that. They believe the DM is kind of not really part of the game.
1: Yeah. It's a job. They, they that's, You'll see that used a lot on Twitter. The you know, job that's the where DM. I get
0: Then You know what? Pay up, another famous quote from a movie, uh, Night Shift. Pay up, sucker. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if you want me to treat it as a job, I don't mind doing that. I've done it before. If you want me to be very specific at how you run a game, just give me money. I'll do that. No problem. That's it. Yep. But if you want to play with me, like we're friends. Hey, if I'm sitting here for five minutes and your characters are basically doing absolutely nothing, how much longer do you want me to sit and do that?
1: (laughs) I think the DM should always have uh, I don't think it bumps up against player agency to have uh, tricks in your pocket to push things along because again, like in your example, they're in a tavern. Well, what happens regularly in taverns fights, you know, uh, uh, maybe if, if your group, if you know, they've been a little righteous lately. Okay. Let me throw in that. The tavern owner slaps, slaps down one of his, his barmaids. And, and it's kind of a little disrespectful and, and, you know, I know that's going to, piss off the paladin that's in our group or just little nudges
0: to nudge along. maybe some gambling Um, breaks out or yeah yeah yeah. the hooks don't always have to be all right you got to get out of the bar and go out and and go into a cave it could be let's gamble let's help the barmaid let's uh and and again get in a fight
1: and and again i think what everybody is trying to avoid unless again always the caveat the group wants that is just a full-on railroad um and so there is absolutely the dm is not removing player agency by throwing in these events you it really comes down like i said if you're running a living world these things are going to happen yeah i'm not destroying you know if my players say well we we're gonna go do that but then we want to go back to that town because we really like it but then i have those orcs come in and destroy the town that's not destroying player agency i'd be taking away the agency from the orcs
0: (laughs) here's another thing i do in my game sonny i don't know if you do it but we li- we play in a game where there's thieves. We all know there's thieves. Yep. they play thieves. Well, I have when they're in a town, they could be pickpocketed, Absolutely. or the room could get. And man, I've had players like shocked, and I've I've heard backlash about this. Like that must be a really shitty DM to have your room get robbed at the inn, because now you're not going to want to go to the inn, and you're never going to trust anything. And I'm always like, why is that? Because you you know there are thieves around in the world. It's not like it's something that should be totally unexpected. You actually have a thief in your party. Yeah. Um, why does the world around you act, act?
1: Especially if it makes sense. You know, if the players again, you know, to always show that other side is if if the players marched into town, town they've never been in, some urchin uh, grabs them and gives them a little advice and says, hey, why don't you come to this this bar? Uh, you know, uh, there's great gambling there. You guys look like you want to drink and meet women and, and and they take that hook and they go there. Well, that's probably the
0: place where you're gonna get robbed. You're gonna get but fleeced. you that urchin might have if, taken your purse while he's tugging already, on the rope exactly. saying, Hey, let's I'll take it. You. May have already happened. That's but what now, the urchin's doing.
1: If the players reacted to that uh negatively and said nah, and went on and uh, made contacts and spent their were willing to spend their money and went to the better place, well then. Yeah, maybe the DM would, there comes the quantum thief. Well, they get robbed anyway. Well, this makes sense. You know, we're in a fortified place that we paid extra money for. They have guards outside and we still got robbed. I mean, I wouldn't
0: do that. You're right. That's right. I don't, I don't play the quantum game very much. And I want to talk about that before we stop. I had a part of the one town. They were playing in Dark Shelf. They used this town, Dark Shelf, as a base for a long time. And there was a stretch of town. Every time they went through it, somebody got picked. The kids would rush up to them and be like, mm-hmm. oh, here are the heroes. Here are the heroes. And they, <laughs> and after a while, they knew they were going to get robbed. So what they would do is they would leave all their treasure back at the and put a purse with just a few copper or silver in it. And they were basically letting the kids rob them at that Let point. Kiss they're kiss basically kiss like, them. oh, we know they're going to rob us. But none of them ever, to my the players' credit, none of them ever were like, "Let's take out our swords and kill these kids." They understood it was part of the local economy. That it was just kind of how the town operated. Yeah, but at first they were, and they, that's and there they, it is. Yeah. there's their agency. That's right. I let them come up with strategies on how to deal with it. I never said, "Well, if you go through that part of town, you're absolutely going to lose something." In fact, I would make pickpocket rolls. They would, they would count. They catch kids doing it. I'd be like, "Oh Carl, you the kid's reaching it and Carl would say, "I'm going to slap him away," you know? You're not robbed. <laughs> yep. You were going to get robbed, but the kid failed pickpocket roll.
1: So another thing I I'd, I'd like to touch on is because it's a subtle example and and maybe uh not as obvious to people would be um like you're in a dungeon and the players say, "Well, we're going to we're going to search this room for um for secret doors." And you as the DM know there's no secret doors there and you just want to move on and you say, ah, there's no secret doors. Let's just forget that. You, or, or you did that and whatever, let's just move on. I don't like that because then um, even though it might save, it may save time, may move things along. um, Sometimes you do have to let the players again, exercise their agency uh, to, to, even if there's there's no reason to do so, because now in, in the future, they may not use those procedures when, when it's necessary. And how do you as the DM telegraph, or you don't want to telegraph, I should say, secret doors? I don't, I don't want to, traps, right? Traps, traps have always been a tough one for me where, um, you know, you want to use them. They should be there. But at the same time, you want the players to be uh, wary and checking, right? Because if you don't balance that out, then they'll never check. And then basically you're just throwing in a guaranteed trap.
0: That's right. Hey, Sonny, so uh, on this point, let's. I'm going to end this call. Well, I'll cut okay. this out of the recording, obviously, for the podcast. I'm going to have to set up another one. I didn't realize because I don't have pro, yeah. we were limited. So, do you mind if I go ahead we'll end it? I'll oh, set sure, up another yeah. 45 I got, minutes.
1: I, I got at least 20, 30 more minutes. When I All right.
0: So, I'm going to, unfortunately, I'm going to have to set up another one just to do the 20 minutes. All right. All right. So, I'm going to end it and I'll set it up. Hang in there. All right. All right. So as you can hear, there was a little technical problem during the interview with Sonny, and I, I use Zoom or Teams when I interview someone a lot because it's easy. It's actually the easiest way just to record the interview. I have other ways to do it. I have, a, I have a screen recording program that does a great job, and I have other tools I can use as well that are a little more involved. So for a Sunday morning chat with just one person, we agreed. We agreed to use Zoom. Um, it got a little messed up because um, I don't I don't pay for Zoom, and I didn't realize it, there's like a time limit of about forty five minutes. Uh, last time I ever used it, uh, we didn't run up against that timeline. I I don't even think it's forty five minutes. It's maybe like thirty five minutes, something like that. And uh, then we started. <laughs> we started the second one. And uh, I forgot to hit record for maybe 10 minutes. 10 minutes. So you'll hear all this. I just added this uh, audio in between uh, linking the two segments. So uh, to keep you, my faithful listeners, all one or two of you, uh, aware of what happened. So, and MW, I'm not infallible. I make tons of mistakes. Tons of mistakes. Just ask my car mirror. So um, here we go. Let's get on with part two of the call. (laughs) Oh, no. I <laughs> know. Oh, we can't get it back. We can't get it back. I will have to just describe what we talked about. Yeah, a quick
1: description, and we'll talk about so the Quantum Ogre, I guess. We're
0: going to talk about the Quantum Ogre and the random. We lost system. all the wisdom. I know. We lost all the wisdom. Is there a difference? Well, fortunately, it was mostly me. Most What we just missed was mostly me going on and on about when I do what the guy does, when he he gets a little bored and he accelerates. I gave an example when I did yeah. it. I'll describe that. I forgot to record. Sonny and I had to start a new session on Zoom for some reason.
1: You know what? Give that uh, yeah. Give that report. I'm going to let my dogs in real
0: quick. All right. So we uh, we had to start a new Zoom. I guess I'm not a Zoom pro, so our initial discussion could only go about 30, 40 minutes. We got off. I started a new one. We were talking about using random rolls and not tipping your hat Uh that you should be rolling your randoms all the time and i then i got into a discussion of when i actually will once in a while try to guide the party away from a certain area and i gave one example where i did it and this is what the guy on grog talk said on the grog con or grog talk discord he said he gets bored of the players constantly doing dungeon delving things and he wants tips on how he could fast forward them i want to fast forward and i gave an example where i fast forwarded my players just because we were at the end of the module and it had taken the number of sessions i had anticipated and they were going to go down a a passageway that would have just led it would have caused a whole nother session to finish the module it was the a1 the slave pits of the undercity which is Highport, and i just laid it out i metagamed and I said, "Listen, if you go this one way, we're going to need a whole other session to finish. If you go the other way, which some of the characters wanted to go the other way, we could just finish." And it was the end of the night. It was near the end of our session. It was a Monday night. We're all grumpy because it's the first, We play all Mondays. We all first day back at work. It's late at night, and the party actually. Lo- they said, "You know what? You're right. Let's. We'll just go the other way and finish yep. the module too." We all, yeah, we all came to Jesus in a way and said, "Let's just finish the module." That was a good suggestion, DM. Thanks. And I didn't tell them they had to. So Sonny said he would probably never really do that. And he said there's probably other ways I could have handled it. Use an NPC. Well, no, I did
1: say, yeah, if I had an NPC use an NPC. Or I could have
0: been smarter and just said the passageway was blocked. I could have just I could have just eliminated the option, which is actually more of a railroad. Than just metagaming and giving them the choice. Right. That's yes. I, mean, well, I, I, I gave them g- no, an unnatural be... choice. In the game, the choice wasn't a natural choice. You wouldn't have known this. But out of the game, I gave them the choice. Go direction A. We're going to have a whole other session of this module. Go B. So that's what we missed. I forgot to hit record. Now Sonny and I are getting to the really important discussion of this quantum ogre and the random rolling. He, he said he has his own tables for randoms on the road and inside a dungeon i do, i don't really but i have my own formula for when i roll So, Sonny, you were just talking about the nighttime why it's really important to know exactly when the random encounter happens at night so why why were you saying that go ahead
1: so uh i had touched on uh, like in my world i i allow um uh, i allow the pcs to sleep with armor but if they do if they say they're going to uh they don't get a restful sleep and they don't get the healing that they would normally uh get from from sleeping. So uh but regardless of that it, it matters because who's awake? How many are awake? Um what's it going to take to wake somebody up? Is is you know if if the if I roll the 6 and it happens at the end of the night the mage is probably awake studying. Yeah, so he's reading. usually
0: that's right. He's usually the first one up in the morning. Priest
1: I mean. is praying. Yeah. So I still may allow them their spells. But if it happened in the middle of the night they may not memorize spells for the for the uh for the day or um priest has a little more leeway on that or again the fighter didn't get the rest he needed so now he can't rush into battle in, in, yeah. in the morning so but uh but i do it in a simple way you were saying you had a little bit more of a detailed way i do it in a simple way it's just it's it tends to be a d6 yeah six is an hour one hour two hour three blah, yeah blah, blah, blah.
0: the way i do it i do the same for the overnight encounters actually we're, we're very eerily similar on the way we do it i have to figure out which watch it's going to be etc yeah. but during the day i also have tables is it like while they're eating their breakfast because while they're eating their breakfast i would assume you don't have your swords ready you don't have mm-hmm. you know if you're sitting around the fire eating you know your hands are occupied you're eating so anyway my point though i want to relate this to the quantum ogre so before i have a session i know we're going to have an overland session at the beginning they're they're going from point a to point b well i'm going to roll all the randoms so number one if none come up i i tell them at the beginning of the session we could we could just fast forward your travel if you'd like because i've rolled I have to be honest they all know the game mechanics. i play with veterans they all know the game mechanics yeah i roll there are no encounters so if you want unless there's something you guys want to role play as a group we could we could skip the traveling unless you want to know all the details if you want to know the details of the landscape and have a road or something uh, we could skip if you want and usually they're like my players are not big on player agency they're usually like yeah let's skip it whatever let's just get to the adventure
1: uh i do the same thing um you know why would you sit there and waste time with traveling yeah uh, like what do you what details do, do i really I, need to discuss
0: so we... every fucking tree you walk by yeah right uh, the wagon so,
1: wheel was bouncing that day and it, <laughs> i i yeah. just it's you know the you, fighter
0: gets sick of the squeaky wheel on the wagon yeah. you, you fix That's it you put some grease on it look so here's the thing though i do roll the encounter so now i get in. now we start role playing out the travel and are if you know there's going to be an encounter and you know it's going to be say an ogre you know, it's, does it matter if they go over the hill or around the hill or across the bridge or swim? Is that being quantum ogre? Because you know there's going to be an ogre encounter. You rolled it.
1: So I, I think this is where um, the level of detail, especially with the online games nowadays, comes in. Because like I, I'm moving away. A, a, a change that's coming in my game um, is I, I want to move away from the battle maps.
0: And I've already the- done that. I've already yeah. done it. Yeah,
1: go the ahead. Either
0: yep. the mind is is
1: is much better when it comes to randomness, right? Because I can des- I can describe it however I feel like at that moment. It just came up. I don't have to plan it. I don't need a battle map. Or the flip side is I didn't. It's still random. Uh, now I have to take time out of game to. Oh, guys, hold on. Let me load up a battle map. Everybody, get your tokens ready. You know, let me get this token. Let me and and now you're wasting time. So, um uh, not that that plays in. Into the quantum ogre having to be there, but pre-planning it may because now I spent all that time planning. It. Right, and that's where I think a lot of the DMs who use that concept and will defend it—that's
0: quantum. Like I planned it, so it's I planned so, this, so I don't care what direction you're gonna go. You're gonna enter this little exactly. valley with the ogre cave. Exactly. Well, that's sort of my. I kind of agree with it because if you roll the random by rule. It's not a random monster out there somewhere. It's called a random encounter.
1: Well, I, I don't think the random, I think those are two different concepts. Your random encounter is not a quantum ogre by definition.
0: I agree. It, it's a random encounter. Yeah. And you're go in other words, it you're going to encounter it. It it's not a random I didn't just say random ogre and I'm going to put it at point C on my map, but if they go to point A, they don't encounter it. The rule literally is, it's an encounter. Well, if you rolled,
1: well, I think what's hanging you up in your style is that you pre rolled to save some time for when you start, right? Yeah. So yeah. everything, everything in a way was done the same as me, except when you now sit down to play, it's already been done. So you didn't pre plan. This isn't a railroad. It, you did the same thing, except you you're you're now giving the players a chance to change what they said they were going to do. What I would, the way I would rather run it right? If I'm going to completely, if I want it to be random, nothing happens in between. I'm not doing any of that work. I know that the next session is going to be us traveling. I'll do that travel and all the rolling when we start the next session. That way, not that I'm taking away, but now they're committed to what they said they were going to do and we're going to do it. Or if they do decide to change, I did no work towards what they changed. Now, I would take issue. This is where I will take issue. Take the travel aspect out of it. We're about to end our session. I, there's no clear, like, we didn't stop in the middle of a battle. We didn't, you know, no clear what's going to happen next. And the players say, you know, I'd say to them, well, well, all right, we do, you know, what are we going to do next week? Oh, I remember that uh, castle you mentioned, that haunted castle, right? I don't know, some simple example. We're going to head to that haunted castle. So now there's travel involved and the haunted castle, right? Well, I'm going to prepare the Haunted Castle. That's right. going to be prepared. That's right. I would take issue with a week from now, we start to travel, and the players say, we don't want to go to that Haunted uh,
0: Castle. Oh, psych, we don't want to go to the Haunted Castle. Yeah, we want, to go, yeah. we want to go back to that fun town you made and yeah. gamble all night.
1: Now, would I stop them? Sometimes, maybe. Uh, I guess I can't really give a clear answer on that, but that would annoy me.
0: It's, so. It's- expanding on the quantum so i think we've agreed a random encounter you could place it it, it's okay to place it anywhere on the path of course that's not quantuming the ogre so this quantum ogre concept is something different it's a planned encounter and the dm's going to make you have it whichever way you go so in other words your haunted castle could be a quantum haunted castle anything you 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 could have worked on all week
1: ogre is the term but no ogre is the term but it really
0: it doesn't mean monster though i, it I know it's just a term but it doesn't represent just a monster it could, even be, a quantum, reward. It could be anything
1: it could be a reward so yeah. i've used you, you know discussed in that yeah. sense like, i really i came up with this awesome magic item that i love and, I really and i'm just gonna put it, it no matter
0: where they go no they're matter gonna find where. it yeah or they're gonna encounter some kind of npc with information so this idea, of the I get it, the quantum ogre doesn't necessarily mean the ogre or a monster or a bad thing. It's anything you've planned. You're going to make them get, get it no matter what. Now, I play with a lot of DMs who actually do that. Like, we play, uh, I don't want to name drop, but there's a guy who runs the one-shots on Saturday nights. His games are like that. You're going to counter all the relevant information... So that we can get through the one. Yeah, shot. and
1: that's why I said to you earlier when we first uh, started the discussion. I said I don't think this is a new concept. I think the way we describe it, the terms we use, what they call it nowadays, is a little more detailed. But in, in all reality, most of this has existed. Yeah, and, and, and the it, person you use example is a great example. I'm sure he used that when he was a kid.
0: Yeah, and this is just. I don't understand what, what the complaints are all the time. Because honestly, Sonny, in the first part of our conversation, when you were talking about all the scenarios and hooks you present to players, they all sound great. The eggs in the cave, the, the whatever, getting arrested, or, or the, uh, you know, the, like my players seem to enjoy. And when I play, I enjoy a well thought out, interesting adventure. That has lots of fun things to do versus this idea of hundred percent player agency and sandboxing, where really, you get five guys together who can't make up their mind to do anything.
1: yeah, well, I, I think that is where the newer style of player comes in, right? Where this discussion, because we I, I I think our generation is a little more open to that style of play, where.
0: Again, not full the first style, the first style where it's well, fought, it's a module type yeah, situation. you pushed
1: along a little bit. And again, it's a spectrum. So not not the full on railroad because our generation was the first one that spoke about it when Dragonlance came out. That All was right. well-known. That was a railroad. And, and it was more of a railroad in the sense that those characters had um, plot armor right another um basically the same concept but it was more character focused yeah so so this story it's like star wars we're gonna play star wars yeah you know and and we're playing star wars with han solo with right and by
0: the way i i have almost i have like nine of the Dragonlance modules and i remember we ended up never playing them because they were too railroady even though all the modules i guess by definition are railroads I mean some of the modules literally start with you standing in front of the of the fallen castle.
1: Yeah, of course. Right? Yeah.
0: It's a total railroad. A but the Dragonlance was too railroady. None of us want no one wanted to play it. So by the way, that was just about the time I got out of playing back then. I was about 16, 17, and we were done. I wanted to be out in my Camara meeting girls, not playing <laughs> Dragonlance. Uh you know. So we were done. We just decided not to play the Dragonlance and my group kind of fell apart and we didn't play anymore. So I see your point. Like that that was a bridge too far. It went from individual modules, and in some cases, like little series of modules. You well, had like the yeah, you had was. like I one, two, and three were all kind of linked.
1: Yep. Or
0: the A series or the giant series to so all of a sudden Dragonlance was the whole that's the whole campaign. You're basically going to do the Dragonlance story which is
1: where the game is now it seems right like again neither one of us really follows 5e much but that's that it seems where the seems to be where the game is gone where you'll hear people talk about oh the Fandelver campaign or oh the icewind dale campaign which which i seem to
0: think the modern player when they talk about player agency back to our spectrum and dm railroading I don't think they actually mean forcing them to play certain adventures because I think they're all agreeing let's do Icewind Dale or let's do Penfeller or whatever. I think they're talking more what you said before. They ruled. want their character to be do whatever they want. They want, want the
1: rule, they want the rule of cool. And and that is why yeah. for us it's a discussion and it's a great um it's a great topic to just reflect on and respect and, but in all reality it doesn't affect us as much. I really think that a lot of most of the uh, the complaints about player agency do come
0: from that. It's the rule of cool, school. and if you say no, if that dungeon master who's really just an employee of the of the p- players, yeah. you're just there. In we some don't cases, give sh- an actual employee. yeah, you don't have fun. You're not supposed to have fun or anything. You're just supposed to ranish this game for for us. But if you say no, if you say my character can't do this fantastic thing like Superman then you're, you're railroading me. You're taking away my agency. You're a railroader. Whereas yeah. what we are thinking of a railroad is really not really letting sandboxing and all that. So it's a really, this is a great discussion. I don't think we've solved the issue today, but I think it's good to hear different perspectives. On I hope people who listen to my podcast appreciate having an honest conversation about it because old school players, I think have a different opinion about this than this more modern generation my players rarely ever complain well i don't know why i can't just pick up the two-handed sword i'm a cleric why can't i pick up the two-handed sword and wield it because i think that's cool i want to be like gandalf or something a magic user i want to i want to have glam bring and i want to use a sword you're taking away my agency
1: we are i i'd say more um, more accepting of, of confinement through the rules
0: Um, that's a beautiful way of saying it, and we
1: don't see that as removing my
0: agency right
1: you know because i'm here to play a game
0: we're here to play the game i understand the pawn can move one square forward i understand the queen can move wherever she wants and And i accept those rules what
1: you'll see often is uh this from the other side so to speak would be the uh it's either a war game or you're role playing. So you, so you guys are. You're not role playing at all. I get it. it uh, yeah. All right. No, that's not true at all. There's a lot of role playing. Role playing just means I'm playing my character. As that's all character. it means. It doesn't mean I'm an actor. It yeah. Doesn't mean we have to do funny voices. I, I very rarely do voices as DM. I, it's just not my thing. Yeah. I'm not good at yeah. it. Uh, you know. But every, I've never had anyone. Well, actually, that's not true. One guy that we booted that I talk about all the time on on the Grog Talk Discord. Um, but I've never had anyone walk away and say they didn't have a blast playing That's with That's right.
0: Me. Hey, Sonny, Everybody we're out of time I'm again. Bad. The Zoom, I have the Zoom problem. I have a problem with Zoom. I'm a dysfunctional uh, Zoom. Less than a minute. This time uh, yeah, less than, less than a minute again. More. So we're going to wrap this one up. Don't hang up because we'll, we'll finish up. But for the show, thank you very much for coming on. Absolutely. And, uh, if my listeners want to know, Sonny goes to a lot of the conventions and stuff. He drives all over the world. So this wraps up this edition of Uh, Worlds of M.W. Lewis and there you heard we got caught again under a minute to go and I I couldn't even continue uh, You know sort of giving to Sonny a a nice send-off, but he goes to conventions I introduced him in the beginning. He contributes to flipping and turning Uh, He's a great guy. He's on the grog talk discord you'll see him posting quite frequently in some of the channels, the Grog Talk Discord, I think you have to be a Patreon, I think, to get invited to it. Uh, but there's several channels, text channels, in the Grog Talk Discord server. And Sonny is really active in the How to Play Discord server, server and he's active in some of the other ones. Go Delicious Travels, he likes to follow Go Delicious's travels quite a bit. He's, he's had Delicious himself, and shown him around Jersey. Uh, It's a miracle that Goodalicious didn't get mugged in in Jersey, but who am I to talk? I had Goodalicious in Washington, D.C. It's a miracle we didn't get carjacked or Goodalicious didn't get killed. So, but, you know, so Sonny's around. He's a great guy. Um, I I, uh, have the opportunity to play with him at the UnCon, which is great. And uh, you can find Sonny on the Grog Talk channel. It's really easy. He's, his name on there is Sonny Knight of the Winds. So that's what he's called. I'm the Admiral Eminence the Great Something 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 Commander. I announced what my Grog uh, Empire title was a long time ago. I've abbreviated it now on there. And I, I, can't, I don't even know what all the abbreviations stand for. But it, it's out there somewhere. So that's it. That's a long episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Well, prompting this conversation was somebody on the Grog Talk uh, Discord uh, in the How to Play channel was bringing up these concepts. I, I'm not going to say who he is, but we're trying to work out a time to interview and talk together about his ideas. And he's the one who posted about he he he's prepared all this great stuff, and he wants he wanted uh, tips from other DMS. And players on the Grog Talk channel, to well, it's the Grog Talk server, uh, in the How to Play channel. He wanted tips on how could he move the, the players along because he gets bored of them doing the you know the regular dungeon delving stuff. And that, that got me thinking about this spectrum of player agency versus railroading, and at what point can a can a DM or should a DM just move the story along? trying to take agency away from the players and say yeah you're not gonna do all that mapping exploring here I'm gonna I'm gonna move you down the road here down the hallway down a level to get to the good stuff because for whatever reason and um, so I, I can't say I'm entirely against that style of play because I gave an example where I did do it and I think I think I've done it one or two other times in my Monday night game now keep in mind my Monday night games been going on for three years over three years now so I've done it like I said, maybe three times, maybe four total. So these are very minute points in time, and I, I feel I've had good reasons to do it. And I'd like to interview this person. I don't want to name him again from Grog Talk Server to see what, he, what what he's thinking. Why does he feel like he needs to do it? There's another example on there. I'd like to interview the person, a different person, because I think he took agency away from players to follow rules very specifically and and it had a very bad result for his game so so far I'm lucky anything I've been doing that might take away agency hasn't cost me my game at least so you know DMs have to be careful you know so I'm about to head off to Europe so I'm trying to get this episode out before I leave for Europe and let's see today is October 12th I spoke to Sonny on Sunday the 8th I think I'm gonna get this out Probably today or on Friday the 13th and then I'm gonna be in Europe So I already let Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast know I'm gonna be in Denmark for a day for half a day and I'm gonna be in Sweden for the rest of the week next week I also have a nine-hour layover in Reykjavik on on Sunday the 15th Where I'm gonna get a chance to run to the Blue Lagoon If you ever have a long layover in Reykjavik you can you there's a bus that'll take you right to the lagoon and you can spend some time there. I think you need about four-hour layover over or longer. I'm gonna have a nine-hour layover. So I'm gonna get, I might do a little audio on that. On the, it's a business trip. I'm going for the real job, the real working job, the one that actually pays me money. But I'll try to get some pictures. I'm gonna I'm gonna to go to a castle in Copenhagen and maybe I'll talk a little bit about that for the show. So that's it. Until next time, I hope all my listeners enjoyed this show. Don't forget to explore the many worlds in your own mind.